I don't know about your family, but in my family, we have Christmas traditions that have stayed with us just about every year of my life. And these traditions vary among families, and your traditions are going to, of course, be different than mine, but your traditions may also have changed over the years as stages of life have changed, perhaps. But so much of what we celebrate, so much of these traditions that we celebrate are at Christmas, they're tied to very physical things. I don't know if you've noticed that. Like even things like cookies or the decorations or the feel of those homemade ornaments that you put on the tree that were made many years ago. The, the way that smells of the decorations can even make you think of relatives, people you love or people who you miss or that special decoration that reminds you of someone. The smells also of favorite recipes being made. These traditions, they, they connect us to memories of our life, but at the same time, by living those traditions out, we're making new memories. We're adding to this, to this package of memories that we have. We're making new memories every Christmas, each time we're gathered together. And for most of us, it's quite hard to imagine a December without Christmas as we know it. In the early church, we're talking 2,000 years ago, the early church for the first few hundred years, it was Easter that was by far the more significant uh, season of the church, and it lasted a full season. Celebrating Christ's death and resurrection was the focus of the church. And in many ways, even today, that is the same. It remains the same. And Christmas wasn't really even celebrated as a holy day by that early church. But eventually, it was decided that they needed to celebrate what they eventually would call the Feast of the Nativity. We call it Christmas. By the Middle Ages, the December celebration of Christmas had reached Europe. And it was then that the church decided to align the celebrations with activities, pagan activities, that were already going on surrounding the winter solstice. The thinking was that people would celebrate Christmas, this religious event, if it was around the same time as the fun that was already happening, the festivals that were already going on. So people began celebrating Christmas with trees and garlands and even festive songs, many of the songs that we still sing today. Soon, the, the Christians began to use, or the Christian use of these images began to be the dominant use of the images, the images like the Christmas trees and garlands and other decorations. So basically what would happen is people would go to church on Christmas and then they would celebrate They'd celebrate quite wildly with a drunken, carnival-like atmosphere similar to Mardi Gras. Now, this may be familiar to some of you already, but, but if not, it's sort of exciting, right? It's like they were really living it up. But the Puritans quickly came around, and they were disgusted with this. They were disgusted with, with much of the revelry of people in general, but really this disturbed them, the linking of all this fun with, uh, and decadence with, uh, with Christmas. In the, in the 1600s, they tried to stop Christmas altogether. They just decided, nope, no more Christmas. And at least they were going to cut out the wildness. They enacted fines for the partying. The trend spread to Christmas in the United States, and the crackdown was so strong that Christmas was outlawed in Boston from 1659 to 1681. If you celebrated Christmas, you got fined. 
And so you see Christmas, the traditions of Christmas, they've changed. They've changed a lot over the thousands of years. And for many of us, again, it's the same with our own lives. Family have come and gone. Our tables have grown and shrunk. We've traveled and we've stayed home. There's been rooms full of kids or multi-generations and then intimate dinners for one or two. Change in our lives, it, it seems constant. But throughout this time of the church celebrating the birth of Jesus, from those earliest, earliest celebrations of Christmas that looked so different than anything we would even comprehend, Christmas has always been celebrated around darkness. Around darkness. It's been the one constant, the consistent peace. And it feels a little strange to associate darkness with Christmas, with Christ. But the reality is that Christmas is celebrated during this time of short days and long, dark nights for a reason. A reason that certainly predates all of our winter traditions and even predates those all-night ragers of the Middle Ages. But it's never been about the dark night. The darkness has been a tool to amplify the light. Like those visceral memories of Christmas, for me it was the smell of Chex Mix cooking in the house in the oven, or spaghetti sauce on Christmas Eve, and the sounds of our favorite album, Sing Along with Mitch. I don't know if you <laughs> Christmas music coming from the record player. These are visceral images for me that instantly point me to Christmas and to my family and to memories. In the same way, darkness draws us to light. We have to go to the dark to truly find and see light. Where I grew up, all of our streetlights were, were yellow, like a yellow stoplight, which was confusing sometimes when you're driving, right? But they were all yellow. And I, and I remember learning as a young child that the reason for this is that we had a mountain right nearby, and on the top of that mountain was an observatory. And in order to improve the performance of the massive telescope on the top of that mountain, they needed to reduce the light pollution from the valley. I remember as a child loving that term, light pollution. I thought it was the strangest concept, the strangest thing. But essentially, it's the, the reduction of darkness. It's the taking away of darkness that makes it harder to see in the night sky. We've all experienced this. You get away into nature, you go camping, you get away from the city, lights, and the stars in the sky are suddenly revealed in new and different ways. It takes darkness to see light. In darkness, light can be seen. In darkness, what was previously hidden gets revealed to us. And sometimes those lights are small, and they can only be seen when we take a step back into the darkness. John's Gospel begins with familiar words, the ones I, I read, words that at their outset, they're a little confusing, they're poetic. They're words about the Word, and the Word, that is Jesus, being God at the beginning. John's words, they're mysterious. I think sometimes, though, in the church and in society, we try and make things a little bit too black and white. 
especially when it comes to the mystery of faith, as though we have to draw a line in the sand and say, we're either in and out, we've got faith or we don't have faith, or we're, we're into it or we're not into it. But the reality of our faith is that this mystery that Christ started, he started well before the stable in Bethlehem and well before you or me ever came to be. The mystery of Christ is that God chose to enter the darkness, the darkness of the world, in order to bring the light, to bring love, to bring hope, to bring peace, to bring joy. But this inbreaking, this coming into the world, it, it comes in the darkness. It comes in our darkness. Jesus came into this world, a world that we know too well, a world with pain, a world where we see the impact of evil, a world that can be confusing. He came into this world to be a light for all people, not just for you and me, for all people. And this is true mystery. It's confusing. And it can be easy for us to walk away from it, to move away from it. When we start asking questions and we, we don't feel satisfied with the answers, especially when we have nowhere we feel we can bring those questions. This, by the way, is a place you can bring those questions. We don't ask you to leave your questions in the car and come in looking like everything is hunky-dory. But it's easy when we have our questions and they don't get answered to say, you know what? That church thing, it's not my deal. It's not my thing. But you see, the wonder of faith isn't about having certainty. The wonder of our faith, the wonder of this night, the wonder of the darkness, the wonder of the darkness is that here in the darkness is where we can truly see the light shining. In the darkness of our lives, we can step back, approach God, the one who broke into the world, the one who wants to be known by us, and who knows us. And the one whom we can know when we live and love as we were created to do and be. So it may sound strange, but faith is, is less about what we believe and more about our willingness to take a chance. To take a chance toward believing. Faith is about lighting a candle and letting that candle be a light in the darkness. It's also about turning to our neighbor and lighting a candle from our neighbor when our light isn't ready to go. And seeing the small spark of your flame turning into a light shining in the darkness. And hoping then that there's also a spark within you. The spark we each long to discover within us. Hoping that the spark within us will shine too. A spark of hope. The assurance of all will be wellness. This is Christmas. This is the Christmas, the nativity, that has been celebrated since those earliest years of the church. The mysterious welcoming of the light into the darkness, the light that came that we might know the one who created us, the light that would teach us and love us and hold us, the light that would come even when we find ourselves in the darkest night. John writes in his gospel, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
Amen.